It's great to be here. And uh, can I just add the welcome that Sonny has given already, and especially to those who are fathers here as well. Just want to honour you. Um, I need, need to uh, say, my wife asked me yesterday or the day before, she said, so it's Father's Day Sunday, Grant. Are you preaching on a Father's Day message? And I'd completely forgotten that it was Father's Day. So it's not a Father's Day message, but let's hope that it does honour and glorify our Father in heaven this morning. So before we start, uh, would you just bow with me, please? Father, we thank you that we find ourselves gathered here this morning. Father, we know we're few in number, but we know when we find ourselves in you, it does not matter. For you can use the least of us to do great things. Father, the words that are spoken today, I just pray that they will be uh, words of blessing, words that build people up, words that encourage, words that help us to Share the light of Jesus into the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning we're going to carry on with the series that I started last month. Uh, where We've started journeying through Romans. So last month we started in Romans 1. Today I want to look at Romans 2. But before we get there, let's just do a little bit of revision if we can. Uh, the purpose of Romans. Paul the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans or the letter to the Roman church because Paul wanted to expand his missionary journeys and he wanted to write this letter to the Roman church to say, I want to come. Here I am. This is who I am. This is the message I want to present and I want to come and base myself here in Rome to be able to extend my missionary journeys further west. I want to be able to go out and share the gospel with in uncharted areas. I want to use you as a base to launch as a launch pad, launching me forward. And here is my gospel. And he says, I'm a servant. In, in verse 1, he says, I'm a servant of God. I've been separated for this purpose, separated to God. And he has called me for it. And if we remember uh, in chapter 1, he says such encouraging things. To the church in Rome. And remember, he's not talking about a congregation. He's talking about the gathered body of believers in Rome. And he said this, and, and I just want us to dwell on this for a second. He says, your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What an encouraging thing to say. When the people think of the church in Rome, they think of your faith. And what a challenge that is for us as well. When they think of the church in Esperance, what do they think of? Are they thinking of and remembering our faith or something else? And if it's not our faith today, let us stand up in Jesus Christ that it will be our faith that they remember tomorrow. Let us be the light of Jesus Christ here on in that it will be our faith that they remember, nothing else because everything else is washed away. And then he moves on into what is possibly one of the greatest uh, verses of scripture in, in not only his writing, but in all of the Bible. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. I am not ashamed. This is not a passive argument. This is not something saying, Well, I'm not really ashamed, but I'm not really bold about it. He's declaring his boldness declaring his boldness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is saying, I am not ashamed 
that the Father in heaven sent his Son to die on the cross for me. I am not ashamed to say that his hands were pierced, that my hands would be holy. I am not ashamed to say that he wore a crown of thorns, that my mind may be renewed. I am not ashamed to say that his heart was pierced, that I would be given a new heart. I am not ashamed to say that he was beaten beyond human likeness, that I may have health and wholeness. I am not ashamed to say that he took my sin, my judgment, my condemnation, my guilt and bore it on the cross. And in my place, he gave me his righteousness. I'm not ashamed of that, he says. I'm not ashamed of the covenant that the son cut with the father. And all I need to do is have faith in him, in Jesus Christ. And in that is the power of the gospel. In that is the power of God. Now, remember, we spoke about the is a definite article. So it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The power of God. Mankind is searching for power in every place, everywhere. The church is searching for power of God everywhere. The power of God is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us rest in that. And he says it is the power of God to salvation. Unfortunately, too many Christians only see the gospel as a ticket to heaven. But it's not salvation. Remember, we talked about that word, the fullness of the word. It is the power to overcome all things in Jesus Christ. Salvation is on offer here today in the very things that you battle, in the very things that will come against you, in your sickness, in your thought life, in whatever it is. The power of God unto salvation is available for you today, not just as a ticket into heaven. This is good news. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of it. For in it, the the righteousness of God is revealed. Those words there, and we've spent some time looking at the concept of righteousness. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we take on his righteousness. There is not one thing that you can do to become more righteous. There is not one thing you can do that will make you become less righteous because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if anyone says different to you, that is not the gospel that Paul presents here. Because if someone says that you have to do something to make you more righteous than you are in Jesus Christ, then they're saying your actions is more powerful than his blood. Does anyone believe that here today? No. Jesus' blood makes us righteous. And I have said every time I get up here, you and I in Jesus Christ are the most righteous people who have ever walked the face of the earth. Not because of what you have done or not done, but because of Jesus Christ. You are the most righteous people. You know, and I just, we're not even into Romans 2 yet. I'm just summarizing Romans 1 and we're halfway through it already. But I just, I can understand the passion that Paul has when he says, I'm not ashamed, because he understood the gospel. It is powerful. It is a blessing. It is something that we want to dwell on. And as Sonny was talking about earlier, you know, 
when we dwell and rest on the gospel of Jesus Christ, we actually are the light to the world and people can see his goodness. But then Paul goes on and he starts to talk about after that fantastic couple of verses about not being ashamed of the gospel and how it's this power unto salvation and God's righteousness is revealed in it. He moves directly into talking about the Gentile unbelievers and he talks about their depravity and he talks about how far they have fallen from what God had wanted them to do. And remember in verse 20 it says, or it actually says that they fell into depravity in verse 21 because they, sorry, it's, uh, I'm, I'm lost here, in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. So the people have fallen into, into depravity because they have neglected God. They have forgotten about God. They have stopped glorifying God and yet they are without excuse because God's attributes are clearly seen in creation, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and godhood. So they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him, nor were they thankful to him. And God allowed them to live and fall into their own depravity. And the rest of chapter 1 talks about the depraved state in which they fall, and how far they fall, because they did not glorify God and because they did, were not thankful to God. And it goes on and talks about the depraved state. And remember we talked about that their depravity, their sinfulness, is not what we go after. Because that's just the symptoms of them not glorifying God. And so let us present Jesus Christ to them. Let us show the glory of God to them through our life and through the light that shines through us. And unfortunately, for too long, we have judged them. And that's where Romans 2 kicks off. But before we get there, the depraved state of the world uh, reminds me that Paul was talking about, reminds me of a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 5, verse 20 and 21, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And that is what Paul was describing. People who have changed the goodness of God for evil. People who have replaced good with evil. And we sit here and we go, gee, I am so glad we did not live in the times that Isaiah spoke about. Or gee, I am glad I don't live in the times that Paul was speaking about, such depravity. And yet I tell you, that is today. That is today. We live in that day where people have changed good for evil and evil for good. And I want to share a couple of examples with you that have occurred this year. Just this year. And I want to use examples from America. And I pick on America. I choose America because America right now is kind of the head of the nations. And yet it is so easy to see how they have stopped glorifying God. They have stopped being thankful for God. And God has allowed them to begin to fall in their own depravity. And yet, I will say, Australia is not far behind. We are not far behind. And as people, we need to stand up and be the light 
to ensure that Australia does not follow that path. But a few examples. Just this year, America has redefined the definition of marriage, the very biblical definition of marriage. America has said, no, 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 we have right over and above God and we are going to change what God has set for good, for blessing, and we are going to redefine that for something else. In America, the killing of millions of innocent unborn babies. Just this week, I heard that the figure, the number of unborn babies killed in America is in excess of 50 million babies. And yet, some of these aborted babies are aborted post-birth. Some of these aborted babies are still alive when they are born and their organs are being harvested whilst they are still alive and being sold for profit. The depravity that we have in this world right now. Allowing one gender-confused kid in the opposite-sex bathroom because they don't want to discriminate, this gender-confused kid who wears a wig and dresses as a girl, is allowed to go and get changed in the girls' bathrooms, completely ignoring the desires of hundreds of girls who use that bathroom. Replacing good for evil and evil for good. Just this week, there's one university, actually there's two stories about universities. One university in America, when you apply and put an application in to go to that university, you no longer have two genders to choose from. You have the option of seven different gender types to choose from. Another university, University of Tennessee, is even encouraging staff and students to stop using gender-specific terms such as he, she, him and her, and switching to non-gender-specific terms such as xi, zer, and zerki. Made-up words. Literally. This is so... And this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's so ridiculous, I could not make it up. People, I could not dream this in my wildest dreams. This is the day where we are replacing good for evil and evil for good. This is the day of depravity that Paul was speaking about. We live in it now just as it has in past times because people have stopped glorifying God and are stopping thanking God. So, with that as a bit of a summary, let's move into Romans chapter 2. And we'll start with Romans chapter 1, verse 32, who says, Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself for. For you who judge practice the same things. Here, Paul is shifting his argument about the Gentile nations who are living in such depravity. And he's turning it around and starting to talk about the Jewish nation. And he's saying, you have judged, and yet you yourself do the very same things. Because Paul is saying it's not what's on the outside. You don't do the same 
outwardly. But you know what? You are a sinner just the same. You have sin within your heart, within your mind, and you are sinning. We have all sinned. Romans 3 will talk about how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, how none of us have sought God. There is nothing in ourselves to be proud about. There is nothing in ourselves that we can go, yes, I am better because. The only thing we have, you and I have, that separates us and stops us walking in the same depraved state is Jesus Christ, is our salvation in Jesus Christ and him renewing our minds. You see, we as believers... We as believers are blessed because we know Jesus as our Savior. We as believers are blessed. But, see, the minute we take Jesus as our Savior, this is the great leveler because it means we acknowledge that we were sinners. And you can be a king. You can be a millionaire. You can be someone who the world looks as up here. Or you can be someone with nothing, homeless. And if you both admit you are a sinner, you both are leveling yourself before God and saying, God, there is nothing in me that is righteous. It is the great leveler and saying, I desperately need your salvation and I desperately need you, Jesus, to bring salvation into my life. And so when we acknowledge that, when we understand that, that we have been leveled by Jesus Christ because we are sinners. How do we judge another? Because you know what? We are, we were a sinner. We are now a saint because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the salvation that we have, the gospel which we are not ashamed of, We are blessed because we walk in the grace of God. We are blessed because Jesus Christ took our judgment. We are blessed because he took our condemnation. We are blessed because he took our guilt and he bore it. And he bore the judgment of the Father upon himself for all of our sins, our past sins, our present sins and our future sins have been borne by the body of Jesus Christ and his blood shed, which washes us completely clean. So how do we judge others, Paul is saying, when everything that we stand on is Jesus Christ and what he has done? How do we judge others? Did you know that every person in the end will know Jesus? Every person will know Jesus. They will know him as either their saviour, or they will know him as their judge. I implore you people to know Jesus as your saviour. I implore you to know him as your saviour because Paul goes on in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. According to my gospel. You see, if you don't know Jesus as Saviour, actually I'll rephrase it. If you know Jesus as your Saviour, all of your sin is born by Jesus Christ and you are seen perfect by the Father. 
and there is nothing left to judge because God is righteous. And if he has already judged your sin in the body of Jesus Christ, he cannot, cannot judge that same sin again. And it has been judged in Jesus Christ. Yet, if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, you'll know him as your judge. And if you know him as your judge, your very secret life will be laid bare in front of him. The secrets in your heart will be exposed before him. Your very thought life will be exposed before him. That which you did or did not do will be laid exposed. And you may say, oh, that's okay. I'm a moral person. I'm a morally upright person. I have lived a good life. No court in the world could condemn me. No court in the world has the righteous judgment requirements that Jesus Christ has. And we will be judged by him. And you can't say, oh, when you stand in front of Jesus, hang on, you've taken this out of context. That wasn't how it really goes. Because I can just imagine Jesus going, okay, let's roll tape. Let's see what he was thinking. Let's look at his heart. Let's look at everything that was going on. Do you really want that to be exposed in front of him? Unfortunately, we have reduced so many times Scripture to a moral code. How many times have you heard um, people, non-practicing Christians, I don't like that term, but you know, people who had a background or their parents used to go to church and they say, I want my kids to, to have a, a Christian moral upbringing, so I'll send them to a private school. It doesn't bring salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Again, I implore you, if you don't know Jesus as Saviour, put your faith in him today because you don't want to know him as judge. Again, Pauling is saying, do not judge for we are all sinners, all sinners. We have done nothing that is any better. It is God's grace that saves. It is God's grace that saves. And let's remember he's writing to the Jewish believers and Jewish people in Rome. And you can almost hear them start to rise up and going, yes, you know, we've got the law. We rest on the law. We can hold to the law. And that's a good thing. We're better than them. And Paul in verse 17 says, indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law although we're called to rest in Jesus. He says, you rest on the law and make your boast in God. And you can hear the Jews go, yes, we do. Yes, we do. The Gentiles forgot to glorify God, but we rest in God's moral code. We boast in God in verse 18, and we know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. And you can feel their chests being puffed up, can't you? This is what I call Paul's preemptive strike. He does this. He preempts what they're thinking. He preempts their argument and he builds it up and gets them to a point. And he continues on. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of knowledge of the tr- and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, 
Do you not teach yourself? And you can hear them going, yes, of course we do. Yes, of course we do. You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And you can hear, almost hear the Jewish people going, of course not, we honor God. We would never dishonor God by breaking the law. And then Paul, in one statement, cuts them to the bone and says in verse 24, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Why? Because they had the law. And they used the law to judge other people to a standard that they themselves could not attain to. They looked out to the Jewish, to the Gentile nations and they said, look at you and your depraved state. We have the law. Such self-righteousness, such pride. Look, here is God's moral standing. You need to do this. And yet they themselves were unable to fulfill it. What does Jesus say? Let's flick over very quickly to Matthew. To Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. These are Jesus' very own words. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Who are you to judge another when that is the state Paul is saying and Jesus is saying? Do not judge others. But Paul goes on and takes it actually even a step further. If we go back, flick back to Romans 2 verse 4. We'll start at verse 3. And do you think this, O man, you who judge and practice such things are doing this and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You see, I'm convinced when we put ourselves as judge and start judging other people, we actually stand in front and stop the goodness of God being able to be penetrated into their heart. You see, sometimes, if you're like me, you stand back and you go, God, I know that you're long-suffering, but just this one time, can you just smite that person early? Can you just, they're so, just don't be long-suffering with them. But you know what? It is not our place to judge. Are you not glad that God was long-suffering with you? Are you not glad that his goodness shone through in your life, that you were able to repent, that you were able to be led into salvation? It was his goodness that led you there. 
Let us not be the blockers of his goodness. Let us not be like the Pharisees in the days of old where Jesus himself and Paul were saying stood up with self-righteousness and condemned others to a, and judged others based on a standard they themselves could not attain to. But let us be people who stand in faith, who are known for our faith in Jesus Christ and his salvation, allowing his light to shine through. Let us be like a candle whose light shines bright. And as the world becomes even darker, let our light shine brighter. I like the illustration of a candle. If you light a candle in the middle of noonday outside and you look at it, it's not that bright. It still shines, but it's not that bright. You take that same candle and you put it into a dark room and the light will penetrate into that darkness and that light looks so much brighter. And as the world becomes darker, may we rest in Jesus Christ that our light shines brighter. Is that not what we want so that the goodness of God can penetrate into the dark places and the goodness of God will lead many unto salvation? Is that not what we want to see? People who are far off from God come into a saving relationship with the Saviour that we know as Jesus Christ. You see, judgment is reserved for God. And God is long-suffering that none may perish, that all may come to salvation. And that is why God did not want Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that we would not try and take his place, that we would not judge. I want to show you something. This is intriguing. This is interesting. You might have heard of it before. But Daniel 3, the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, a place and time where they've been taken out of their nation. They've been taken into bondage. It's a time where people replaced good with evil and evil with good. And they were accused. They were doing something good. They were worshipping God. They were accused of something evil. And they were thrown into a fire. A fire that was so hot that the very people who put them in themselves perished. And yet these three people walked in the fire. And the fire did not touch them and their clothes were not burnt. And then a fourth person came along, their saviour. And it's interesting, we know the names of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, which were their names given to them in the nation of bondage. But do you know their, their Hebrew names, their original names? Their original names were Hananiah, which means God is gracious. Michelle, which means who is asked for or who belongs to God. And Azariah means God helps. Put it together, God is gracious. Those who belong to God, he helps and he redeems and he brings out of and he saves. The question I have is, where is Daniel? Daniel at that time was another righteous man. But he's not being thrown in here. He would not have replaced good with evil and evil with good. He would have continued. But God did not allow him to go into the fire. If you look at Daniel's name in Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, do you know what it means? God is judge. God could not allow Daniel into that fire because your saviour cannot be your judge also. And if Daniel was in that fire, he would not have been able to save. 
And so God did not allow Daniel in that fire because he wanted to save Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He wanted to be their saviour and he wanted to show the world that he is God, that he is the saviour, that he is the redeemer, that he is the blessed one. And those who trust in him, he will save. Those who are his, he will be gracious to. Those who belong to him, he will own and he will bring into redemption. Again, I ask, do you know God as your saviour? Do you know Jesus Christ as your saviour? Because if you do, he will save you from all fires, all that burns, and he will turn it for good to glorify him and for your benefit. Or will you know him as judge, allowing him to judge even the secrets of your heart? You see, the choice is yours. It's a choice only you can make. You can choose him as saviour or you can choose him as your judge. I implore you, make sure you know Jesus Christ is your saviour. And as a church, as a body of believers, let us not be known for people who judge to a standard we could never uphold, but let us be known for people who shine the light of the goodness of God into the dark world. Let us be known as a people whose light penetrates and allows God's goodness to lead people to salvation. Let us commit ourselves to choose life, to choose eternity and shine that light into the lives of those around us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, that we would know him as saviour. Father, we read in this chapter of Paul's letter that it is not our place to be judge, but we read that you are long-suffering and that your goodness, the richness of your goodness will shine through. May we be ambassadors that allows your light to shine, to radiate through as we rest not in our moral standing, not in who we are, but in Jesus Christ. Let us rest all the more as the day approaches in Jesus Christ, that your light will shine. And Father, right now, I just want to pray for Esperance. I just want to pray that your people here in Esperance will rise up and rest in Jesus Christ. Because your people are the hope of this place. And may your light shine through them. Father, may we not be judges, but may we be known by our faith in Jesus Christ as people who rest in your Son. Father, I thank you for your Father's heart that called us into your family and you hold us close to your heart and you save us from the burning fires because you are our Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.